fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Daniel J. Glenn, analytical mastermind here, just popping in here before the episode to let you know that if you're enjoying the audio version of this podcast, subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or TuneIn, continue to enjoy it. I think that this is a great experience with whatever you're doing, no matter where you're listening to it, to get that pop culture technology plugged right into your brain via your ears. But I got something for you. If you like that, it's very possible you will love the video version of this show, which we've been working hard at, and it debuts with this very episode. Go to ftriplegbt.com, click on the episode section, and you will see all of our episodes are on YouTube, but this is the first one that is a video recorded episode, and we will be bringing these to you every two weeks. If you like it, you can tweet about it, Pod, or on Facebook, ftriplegbt. Let us know what you like. Tell us the, the types of technologies you want to learn about. We will make special episodes. So now, enjoy episode 13. Death Star Technology. All right, welcome to the show. Uh, so this is an exciting episode. We're going to change some things around here, guys. Okay, I'm ready. So, so before before we do that, we need to introduce ourselves. I am, of course, I just thought it went without saying, but I am Daniel J. Glenn, the analytical mastermind. And of course, sitting next to me is Dr. Michael Denon. You might know him as the superhero scientist. I know him as the physics phenom. Welcome to the show. Great to be here. I'm excited. I'm excited too. You sound excited. I am. I mean, I got I got a tie to go with the theme. We'll worry about that later, though. We will. But I do. Yeah. Let's talk about that in a second. Right after I get to our enigmatic engineer, the man of a thousand calculations, sometimes a million. Uh, we got Ben Seepser here. Ben, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks. And thankfully, I don't have a bad feeling about this. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I like to hear that. I do like your tie. You are sporting you. I'm, a I'm, I'm Darth Vader, Vader tie. tie. Yes. You can't see Darth Vader because it's down behind the vest. Right. But you've got all the, the imperial. Region. Yeah. <laughs> you got all the import, imperial sort of symbols going. The important stuff up the top. The important stuff up top. Yeah. Party down low. Business up top. <laughs> uh, so we got that. Looks like the Death Star, but it's yeah, not. But kind of does. Kinda, well, yeah. You know, the symbol is a little bit Death the Star. The symbol was based on the Death Star core. Yeah. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. Do you know that? Or are you making that no, up? No, I was in a book I read. Okay. <laughs> Which is even better than the internet. That makes it true. <laughs> <laughs> the analog internet is what I like yeah. to call it. Now, this is a really interesting episode because this one was put forth by none other than Ben Seepser. Ben right. wanted to do this episode, and I poo-pooed it. I didn't think there was anything to it. And as a matter of fact, I said to myself, I'm not going to have any real-life stuff. There's nothing I could possibly talk about making the Death Star in real life. Ben, why don't you host the show? Uh, and I, I was going to do that. Would you like to host a show? I'll give you that opportunity now if you want to. I, I trust your, your hosting skills. Okay. I was actually going to let you host the show. I thought that would have been kind of fun. I would like to hear how you, hear how you introduced me. Uh, but then I spent a little bit of time. Are you sure? I, I am kind of. Okay. I'm kind of Good. cool. Then I did a little research, and I found some cool stuff on the Death Star. A lot of really great stuff. So I take it back. I was wrong. I'm excited to, to get into this. Let's talk about the Star Wars world first, because... I got a little bone to pick. Don't mm -hmm. love the sequels. I don't like them at all. They feel like rehashes, especially when it comes to the Death Star. I feel like we've seen this movie a million times before. I don't like it. I don't like these, these movies. What do you guys think? Well, let me ask you this question. Okay. Well, first of all, I, I want to be very honest and upfront. That's all I want from you. I, I just, you know, as you know, we've discussed this. I don't have very high standards for movies. 
Um, I've paid money. I'm yeah. going to enjoy the damn movie. <laughs> so I like them, but probably not for very good reasons. Like uh, them on that scale or like well, them it, because it varies. you like them? So, so I have to say the, the first sequel that came out, I just really enjoyed. I thought as a movie, it was a rehash from a plot perspective of... Almost, prob- almost <laughs> shot all three. Shot. <laughs> almost shot by shot. But yeah. you know what? As a remake, hmm. like if this had been remade in like 30 years from now as an honest remake, like we often do with old movies, it would not have been bad. I mean, it, it was a nice, you know, sort of nod hmm. to the originals and it, it had some issues. I think the, it's struggling, the sequels are struggling that it's just so hard to recreate, recreate Darth Vader as a bad guy. I could let all the other stuff go, um, but that, that's one of their challenges. I do think the second one um, went off in interesting and odd directions. Let's just say that. I like interesting and odd. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think it had these moments that I really like. It needed a better editor or director or something. Like, it just. Uh, <laughs> or something. there, yeah. No, no, I just. The, <laughs> but I'm just. That's where I'm going, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, I think Studio. there's moments, you mm-hmm. know. We have uh, other episodes on worlds, like, mm-hmm. and we've done one on the Harry Potter world. Mm-hmm. Or we and, will do one. Or we will do one on the Harry Potter right. world. Um, we've recorded it today. That's all we know. <laughs> but a- as a person who, like, Star Wars was a transformative movie when it came out in my childhood, mm-hmm. um, I love the Star Wars world, and I'm not enough of a movie nut or a Star Wars nut in certain directions to dislike the sequels, particularly since... To me, they're better than the prequels. <laughs> oh, yeah, hands down. Right, you know, so um, it, it reinvigorated my faith in the world as a world. Um, okay. If I leave out the movie parts. Right. That's so fair. I'm just, I'm just, that's, you know, that's me. That's fair. I'm going to ask Ben in a second, but I just, I have to counterpoint really quickly. I do have to say that what I don't like about the idea of a remake is you are constantly, and I feel like for the past 30 or 40 years, they've been constantly letting down the real fans of this, the franchise. Why do you need a remake? We've seen episode four. Like that's no, episode four. No, I agree with you. Why do we need to, We don't need a remake. Everyone knows the world. This isn't a, no. sh- this isn't a movie no one's heard of that needs to be remade. I it's like will remaking s- Psycho. Who remakes Psycho? I will say, I haven't read a lot of the books because mm-hmm. I was just into the movies in this case. Um, there are definitely, of the few books I, I read, there were definitely storylines that could have been much cooler as a movie. Yeah, I agree. Out there. I right? totally and that, agree. And that would have been a much better way to go. And you don't want to get but, caught in the heroes mindset of the, the TV show Heroes, where you just have the same villain over and over again. Oh, yeah. I didn't like that either. I think there's other ways to go. All right, Ben, what do you think? Sorry about I, that. I, I mean, I, I, <laughs> Please I, excuse I, our rant for a I, second. I'll say I, I love pretty much everything Star Wars. I think mm-hmm. the new movies are great. They're, Force Awakens, the first one, definitely was a bit of a rehash. But I feel like the other three of the new Disney era have been very, pretty unique and have told very different stories than what we've seen out of Star Wars films before. Mm-hmm. And I've really enjoyed the grittiness of Rogue One, and I thought the heistiness of Solo was really fun, and Last Jedi just went in all sorts of kind of weird, not weird directions, but it was very subversive in the mm-hmm. sense that it, everything, everything that the other directors would have done, um, they went the opposite with that kind mm-hmm. of in Last Jedi, which I found pretty enjoyable. Um, okay, so you're like the poster child for the, uh, <laughs> the basically the focus group of every Disney movie that's come out. Oh, for sure. Over, yeah, you're yeah. that guy. I, I do have to ask, do you consider, like, when you say the sequels, where are you on Rogue One? 
It's okay. I, okay. What I, here's what I do like about it. I like the fact that they took something that is so ridiculous as a storyline plot, but it's so important to the first movie, which yeah. is the acquisition of the right. Death Star plans. It's so important, and they gloss over it in the first movie, and I get it. This was a cool way to tell that story. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I, okay, I really good. Because I, I, I think Rogue One, of all the sequels, is my favorite. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. I, yeah. It's very forced with their group, core group of people. It's like forced multicultural ethnicity. Right, and it's yeah. forced. They don't feel like they don't feel like a cool core group of guys who work together. They well, they're all gonna, they're gonna, together. Can, can I make a spoiler exactly. alert? They're all gonna you know whatever. So how? <laughs> who cares if they really mesh, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I think that was the point that it was a desperate time, and you know th these were the guys they had. Yeah, I know. There's 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 better ways when when you look at the group. I mean, the first movie is desperate times too, but those guys all kind of fit together, even the robots. You know. I don't know. It felt like a group. It felt like a core group to me. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, what do yeah, I know? Lucas and I, and I love the idea that they can tell new and interesting stories. I do like that. Yeah. This whole twenty-year gap between stories is ridiculous. Um, but but on along those lines, what's really cool about the movies is the one thing besides the shadow of Darth Vader. One of the things that remains consistent is the technology and evolution of the Death Star, right. which I think is what you love so much yeah. about this, Ben. And so let's let's talk about that for a second. Since this is your episode, mm -hmm. I'm going to let you take a point on this. Give it, what well, do you got? Well, so what, what I like about the Death Star is that there's some... You can play some real physics games with the Death Star. One, it's a, a space station the size of a moon, which in its own regard is kind of ridiculous. Like, mm -hmm. the... The systems engineering, like how you even organize <laughs> building something that big, right, is right, sure. a preposterously difficult pro <laughs> project. Sure, and to to think that was done in the you know well let's say eighteen year gap between uh, you know we we see the the Death Star just starting to be built at the end of the prequels, mm -hmm. and it's done in the time it takes from Luke to go from a baby to eighteen. Right is pretty ridiculous like we can't even sure. build we can't even run a you know a fighter jet program that fast sure. <laughs> in this okay. country right so to me I, it, it's it's a it's an amazing accomplishment that an organization could build something like that in 20 years well it's it's <laughs> the it's the death star equivalent of the egyptians building the pyramids oh yeah but but yeah. wait but way more well, yeah, but they like the, like them. Unlike the Egyptians, they have access to massive labor, being a super dictatorship, and massive technology. The Egyptians just had labor. Well, but they also they both <laughs> yeah. had aliens to help them. Right. <laughs> well, it, well, here's the other thing about that. And Sorry, is, I didn't mean to interrupt that. <laughs> no, but this is what's on to that point, which is interesting. And what I don't like about these new movies again is there's there used to be a kind of like an allusion to the Third Reich, you know, First yeah. Order, Third Reich, like how more on the nose could these get, right? Yeah. At least the Empire was like an allusion to like a Nazi-esque yeah. dictatorship. That's but that's on a, point though. But not like well, not in the first. What is it? The I forgot what the first one's called Force Awakens. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Where they have like they're showing off the deaths, the, the Death Star, the Star Killer, Star Killer base, yes. and they all the, he's giving an announcement. It looks like you know, it's oh, it looks, like, yeah. and they yeah, raise their right hand, see Hitler, Kyle. Yeah. I, but like, how on the nose? Is it? Like you couldn't get more creative with. I just thought the Empire was better. Anyway, the point that I'm trying to make <laughs> on inside of this rant is that what you have there is essentially the Nazi war machine creating what they did in World War II, coming off of World War One, is similar to what's going on with the Death Star. Yeah. You know, they came off of a defeat, and now they're creating this huge thing. Yeah, they've reorganized. They've become more insular. Yeah, it's possible, and I think that that is kind of where they're going. Yeah. Yeah, actually, if you want to get super nerdy, if you read some of the comics and things that go between... Oh, my God. <laughs> Who brought the nerd? <laughs> between... Uh, 
Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens, they really get into the the disbelief of the First Order even existing and being a real threat. Oh, that's like me. I disbelieve the First Order exists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's really interesting to I think like that they were hiding all of this. Like it was, uh -huh. a to it was totally done. At the the legitimate government that would form was just like ah, they're nothing. Who cares? Right. And that's meanwhile, they were at a secret base. Yeah. Right. Right. And meanwhile, they're building a, they're building a Death Star, an even bigger, like a whole a galactic scale yeah. Death Star. In a planet off in the periphery, yeah, and you know they come back with a vengeance. Sure. Well, so let's talk about the technology here. Yeah. So we got the history. We got this thing up in the air, right? Eighteen years. Yeah. What, what do you like about it? So, well, what I like about it is that you can do some fun physics with it. You can. There's there's a great paper called "That's No Moon," that was uh, put out about seven years ago. It's by Boulderstone, Meredith, and Clapton out of the University of Leicester. Yeah. And they actually they they did a uh, they did the calculus to basically figure out an easy equation of what would it take to actually make a planet not exist anymore? How much energy does it take to s separate all the molecules of a planet from each other so that it... <laughs> right. So that it... You know. right. So basically you can calculate the escape velocity. So if you have a rock that comes off of the, the Earth... Yeah. You know, it has to get the full escape velocity because the whole Earth is basically still there. You don't want it to orbit itself, right? Right, you want, it, you want <laughs> yeah. an escape velocity. And then you do that for the next rock, and there's right. a little bit less Earth and a little bit less Earth. So you can oh see there's a calculus God. equation going on here. Oh, my so God. So they solved that equation. It actually turns out to be a really simple uh, equation. It sounds, like a it sounds like an absolute nightmare. So... Well, the man of a thousand yeah. calculations, so, of course, no big yeah. deal. Um, you know, you can read the paper and get the get the math sure. off of that. But what's what's interesting is it, it comes out to be, you know, a number that's a very large number. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, two times ten to the two with thirty-two zeros after it joules to wow. to get every bit of a planet to escape velocity. That's about the size of Earth. Wait, how many zeros? Thirty-two. Thirty-two. So zeros. that's more than a mole. Yes. Because a mole is a unit. Six times ten to the twenty-third. We'll actually talk about moles later. Okay, great. Okay, so that's a lot. You put a lot of moles in the planet, and they dig through, and it breaks it apart. Yeah. No, we're talking Sorry. about chemistry here. Sorry. Oh my god. So that's a lot. It's a lot. A lot. But if you look at the movie, and I, I, I'll, I'll give credit to Scott Manley because he he did a. Well, he video deserves about, all of it. Yeah. yeah. With a name like. Uh, that. He pointed out a, an issue. If you watch the movie. That planet's not moving at escape velocity. It's going way faster. Oh, we all know that. <laughs> right. So, so in reality, what you really want to do is just the kinetic energy of a planet moving at a speed that looks right from the video. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, so if you do that, you end up with three and thirty-six zeros. Okay. Wow. Okay. So instead of thirty-three and thirty-six. Thirty-two. Thirty-six. So ten thousand times okay. the energy. Which right. seems like a small amount, but it's actually an incredible amount. It's, it's an yeah. enormous amount of right. energy. But then you go and say, well, Star Killer Base absorbed an entire sun. Right? It, like Does it absorb the whole I, I didn't quite get that, because it charges up. So we're talking about the Star Killer Base yeah. and the new in the sequels. So th does it does it destroy it's the only way we can measure because we see what it does to that sun. But it just takes the energy, right? It just charges it up. It doesn't like evaporate. The sun, the sun. goes out. Does it? Yeah, the sun gets dark. I must have missed okay, this part. There's a lot of weird <laughs> physics that we'll get to later. The sun okay. goes out and it comes back and who knows where that comes okay, from. But so I'm not even gonna go there. I, yeah. I, missed, I missed that. I thought they just took the energy from it. Because that's how think... they they fire it more than once. 
Yeah, because they, they don't well, just... Well, yeah, they, they have to come back... Right. Because so, they, they you do the test shot where they take some of the energy and then they do the real shot where it's the sun has somehow recharged. Sure. But yeah, let's yeah, not even so, go there. Uh, you're right. I know yeah. you're getting a number, yeah. so let's get so, the number So what, what's yeah. interesting is if you take the solar mass, so a plain right. old boring star like our soul uh, um, has... That's what it's called. I know, I know, yeah. <laughs> uh, it has two and 30 zeros kilograms total mass okay. of the sun. Um, about 75% of that is the hydrogen, which is what we care about. We mm -hmm. can talk about fusing helium, but eh, that gets, yeah. that's boring. I don't lose the audience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in that 30 kilograms, so hydrogen, we were talking about moles earlier. Yeah. Uh, there's six the chemistry moles. Not there's the six times the <laughs> ten to the twenty-third atoms uh -huh. per um, per gram. Right. So we have Correct. two times ten to 20, ten to the thirty kilograms. Right. So in the end, you end up <laughs> yeah. <I see laughs> you you end up with nine times ten to the fifty-six atoms of hydrogen in a sun. Okay. <laughs> 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 Which is a lot. Yeah, That's yeah. a lot. 56 zeros. We don't even want to. So what do I right. do with this information? So if you, if you listen to our, um, if you listen to our uh, Mr. Fusion episode, yes. you'll know we calculated how much energy there is in a banana peel. We did, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite calculations of all time. <laughs> so with the, or I think we, it turned out the half a can of beer was more important. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, uh, true. But... We can take that, and we know, and you get a certain amount of energy per four hydrogens you fuse. That's, okay, that's kind of the basic. And what you end up with is six times ten to the ten to the fifty seventh mega electron volts uh -huh. are in that that massive okay of uh, atoms. <laughs> I'm ready for the unit conversion. <laughs> yeah, <I've> and then <laughs> just ten to the forty fourth joules. So that's enough. Is what it's, you're it's a lot. It's actually it's like significantly more. It's actually enough for 300 million planets. So you, now wow. you have to be careful there, though, right? Because you just assumed 100 percent efficiency. Of course, now conversion, it's 100 percent efficiency. And, and you didn't take into account the other wonderful thing about the Star Killer is it projects. It projects its energy across, across. light years, as far as we can tell. Yeah, yeah I it's mean, supposed to be in hyperspace, which is really right. difficult. To so you have to have the energy to open up hyperspace and translate through. True. And so you're you're distorting a lot of space time. So I recognize that, okay, maybe the star killer can destroy a planet, yeah. but not 300. You know, you don't get all no, that no. excess energy. But, but what I'm saying is... And you get one shot, which is what annoys me, because they got two. But they killed but five what, planets but, but with what it. I'm, Yeah, they did kill five planets with it. Yeah. yeah. But what I'm saying is there's enough energy in one star to blow up 300 million planets. Yeah, I'm still reducing a lot for efficiency. Oh, even, yeah. even to right, 10%. But, it, but even if we take, you know... Yeah, and uh, the hyperspace. A millionth of that. But if it takes a million. Yeah. yeah you, no. know, you still get a couple I, I, hundred planets. I, I'm agreeing that you can destroy a few planets with it. Yeah. No, that's, I think that that's absolutely <laughs> yeah. amazing. I mean, actually, what's, what's amazing to me is your zeal when it comes to extinguishing life on other planets. Because you've really kind of nailed <laughs> well, this. Well, I, I, but this I haven't. This isn't even extinguishing life. This is blasting the planet See, apart. But I, all we care about is extinguishing life. You need way less energy. Right, yeah, way less energy. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I have a fundamental <laughs> problem with the whole process of the Death Star. Okay, go on. From a physics point of view, if we can jump there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is, I still don't, I thought about this a lot, which is more than I usually do. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. I usually just come in here and just kind of, yeah. Right. But, um, yeah, I don't see you with any note cards. Ben and I are like <laughs> furiously going through. Go on. What, what I am, oh, it's all up here. That's what a certified yeah. genius does. That's yeah, true. <laughs> um, but what I'm really interested in, I, and, and I struggle with this because I've done a lot of physics of, of Star Wars, as uh -huh. you know. I do, I do know that. Yeah. 
And it's the mechanism of literally blowing up a planet. It's, it's that concept of blowing it up, where particularly happening it all at once because it's the conversion of this radiant energy, which yeah, is a beam, it's a laser of some which is a laser into kinetic energy. I've never been able to figure out that conversion mechanism, right? Um, you could imagine doing it slowly. I like the idea of doing the calculation by pieces fl flying yeah. off. So you can imagine cutting a piece off and then there, there, it can be an exchange of momentum between photons, lasers, light, and objects. So you, you kind of cut it free, then you knock it with a laser and kick it out, I guess, and cut it. I mean, but it's a weird process. Planets don't explode. There's nothing, there's not an explosion mechanism. So I was thinking about this, and oh. I think they go about it wrong. Okay. How would you right? distinguish light because, from a planet? Because they're not really that particular. Uh-huh. Right? They want that planet, the the. The Empire Whatever or the Nazi First figure. Order, yeah. right? Yeah, okay. right. They want a particular planet. Uh huh. I don't think they care about collateral damage. Definitely, I think you're okay. Right. with That's you on that. For sure. So I think what you want to build is a supernova generator, right? What you want to do is put your because you can couple to the star much better than you can couple to a planet, mm -hmm. right? And basically, you can enhance the nuclear reaction in the star, speed it up and get it to supernova phase much sooner. Mm -hmm. I mean, basically in a star, when it's done burning its hydrogen and helium, it has a stage where it collapses. That generates your kinetic energy, star explodes, wipes out all the planets in that solar system. Mm -hmm. I think the physics of that, um, I'd be curious to see. I'm, unfortunately, I'm not a man of a thousand calculations. I'm a man of very few calculations. <laughs> if any. If any. But, Maybe a couple guesstimations. But, but given, given that I've got the power of an entire star to then overheat another star. Yeah. Um, mm. I, I, I think using the mechanism of basically lasers and radiant energy, we know we're trying to use lasers in the lab now to induce fusion mm -hmm. um, by compressing things together. I, I think supernova star, wipe out all the planets in the solar system. You might have some collateral damage of some few planets you didn't care about, but you'll get the one you're going after. That to me is the next generation of the Death Star that might actually work. Well, I got to tell you, once again, Denon, uh, Mastermind and Certified Genius think alike, because in real life, that's exactly what I have on here, because gamma ray bursts, which come out of a supernova, right. which come out of the top and bottom like a bullet, yes. and actually, um, the Fascinating Nouns 100th episode is about, with Maria Drought, is she, Dr. Maria Drought, she actually, her and her team at Carnegie Institute for Science, discovered gamma rays for two neutron stars colliding, uh, and the amount of energy given off is incredible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The only, and, and I agree with you 100%, because I think that that's the in real life version of this, is supernova stars or gamma rays, these incredible yeah. bursts of energy, which is exactly the Death Star. Minus one thing, though, Dr. Denon, control. Well, no. I, I, what control I, and directionality. If you don't care about collateral damage and you just want to destroy everything, the entire star system, you can do that. But it is the, the key to the First Order and to the Empire is to keep people in line. It's not to kill everybody. Well, you can't make slaves if they're all dead. You kill one planet in a star system and you say, hey, man, you do what I say or you're going to end up like that. But if you think about it, most if, if we take our solar system as sort of the norm, mm -hmm. I always do. Which we always do. Sure. You know, the number, the number of habitable planets in any given star is one or two. So really, my method, you, you, you have the targeted control because your Death Star is going to ignite only one other star. And you're really only going to lose a planet or two that has life on it. I mean, yeah, you wipe out the other planets in the solar system, but those are irrelevant planets. There's no life. And it's all the other star systems and those planets that you've now threatened. 
Mm -hmm. Right, so that's the strategy there. A little that. less precision than a single planet, but more precision than, you know, blowing up the whole universe, say. That's true. I got to <laughs> tell you, though, if I'm for, to, to induce fear, and I think Ben gets zeal out of doing this as well, <laughs> uh, it, to induce fear, it's the calculated precision of being able to surgically strike on one planet. Well, right. Well, that was the That's point. the fear, right? Well, I, 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 I'd be pretty scared if they could surgically strike my star, too. Sure. Right, right. <laughs> I'm not sure the fear level difference no, is sure. really going to change my mind about rebelling or not. And that's fair. And you can make the argument in our current world state, you know, if Kim Jong-un has a nuclear weapon, and it doesn't know what to do with it versus the surgical tactical capabilities of the United States, it's still a nuclear bomb going off. I do and I'm still scared. That. Yes, I do understand that. So that is fair. But, but I, do, I do think that it's, it's interesting from a physics point of view um, that here we have a case where the energy may not be the issue. The mechanism of coupling yeah. between the, the, the mode they chose, which is basically a laser beam, mm -hmm. um, and physically ripping apart stuff that is held together basically by gravity is an interesting um, conundrum. Yeah, for sure. I was thinking with the laser, you know, if you, if you could somehow get enough energy, which is a big problem, you could like boil the core or something, but... There you go. How you, but you know, laser, the but laser still the small, coupling, yeah. and you know, eventually you're just gonna drill through the whole planet. <laughs> yeah, right. But I, I do think what's also always fascinated me from a physics point of view, particularly from the original movies, is the beams coming together and merging into one. Mm -hmm. um, that's an interesting challenge to figure out what's going on in that sort of focus property. You know, well, where like is the lens? In a way. Yeah, I see yeah but yeah. where is but the actual lens and what are you doing? Because really, they should just all cross through each other. But that, that's a separate... Well, that's how we <laughs> know they're not really lasers. Right, yeah. <laughs> so there's some... Now, that's an interesting question. If... if, if if what you're generating, for instance, is an ion beam, a plasma that's somehow able to travel and maintain its energy over these distances, then the coupling to the planet becomes a little easier. Yeah. And then if what you really want to do, there's the, dr the drama of blowing up the planet, but going mm -hmm. to your earlier comment, if all mm -hmm. you want to do is wipe out life, mm -hmm. you know, basically moving a plasma beam across the surface and igniting massive fires and destruction everywhere, I think can accomplish your purpose of of wiping out life and not just the planet. Yeah, which can happen with a coronal mass ejection or something like that. From Again, yeah. from the sun, those things happen all the time. We're even get hit by a direct hit with a gamma ray burst, which these things are like bullets going through the, the yeah. galaxy. Eventually, someone's going to get hit, but you can extinguish life that way. Sure, yes. that's yeah. how you were so inclined. <laughs> uh, do you guys have anything else on this? No, I, I, I think the other thing I would say, though, I, we have to. You can't discuss these things without discussing the, the, the concept throughout um, all storytelling of space and time mm. of designing your system with its fatal flaw that can be exploited. That is true. I mean, that's an interesting... So as an engineer, Ben, is, yeah. there, is there an engineering motivation behind you know, designing something that is essentially indestructible? Is it always got to be like we go back and look and we say it was on purpose, um, by the mastermind who built it in, or is engineering just that imperfect? Well, I mean, if we're talking about the first Death Star, yeah. I mean, you gotta exhaust your thermals. Somehow. Okay. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe put a grate or something over it. <laughs> but, I mean, I think the problem, and I think this speaks actually to what I was talking about earlier of the complexity of what they were doing. Yeah. When, you, when you're building something the size of a moon or a planet, 
you're going to miss something. Yeah. <laughs> and and when you're talking about the energy, mistakes will get made. And yeah. when you're talking about the energies we're talking about, yeah. you know, absorbing the power of a sun, it's it's not going to be easy to build. So in the Force Awakens, the Starkiller base is destroyed by like an oscillator, like an energy oscillator. Right. You know, falling out of sync, or I forget yeah, exactly yeah. what stupid thing it was, but <laughs> what, oh, whatever stupid thing it was, whatever Dude, stupid, Star Wars, uh, whatever yeah. stupid uh, science mumbo jumbo oh, they used to right. talk about the uh, energy collapsing. But when you're talking about a, a level of energy that large, it th structures we don't really have structures that can hold that kind of energy. Right. We we can't even we don't even have the the ability to contemplate about something that could hold the power of the sun and. When I think about that, I think, man, that thing better be very balanced or yeah. something's going to leak out. And so to me, it makes sense that you'd have, if once you get into the gooey insides of the, of the Death Star, um, yeah, it's probably not going to take a lot of damage to, 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 blow, to, it to, up. to blow it up. Well, especially a weapon that big holding that kind of energy, that makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah, tipping tip the balance. You, you need good armor, but once you crack through, right. it's... You're not going to be able to contain that easily. What I love about the Death Star is all of this is really started with Nikolai Tesla and the death ray that he wanted to create, supposedly in one of his last little things. Okay. It is kind of an amazing concept. You know, won't go into the details on that, but it is interesting how, for a long period of time, finding how to focusing energy and using it to destroy things has always been part of nature. Yeah, it's kind of scary, isn't it? A little bit. A little just, bit. But yeah. I wanted to point that that's where we started with Nikolai Tesla's death ray and then all the way to consuming either consuming a star or creating it to supernova uh, we can do it all we need is the power to harness a star uh, and I don't think we're anywhere near that yet so this one might be one we figured this out is a little bit of a little bit of a reach for now with current yeah. technology all we have to do is go back in time sufficiently that <laughs> so and that go is far, far away and far far away <laughs> and I will say for the audience at home unfortunately after this episode you will not be able to create your own Death Star uh, one of the few misses but we did explain it very well so but we did yeah. oh. yes I, I I call it a success I do too because I don't want them building a Death Star it's a success for us yes, yeah exactly uh, well if anyone really has in, uh, intricate questions about how to build a Death Star and they want to talk to us how can they do it so I'm found at Den and Michael on Twitter and Instagram mm -hmm. and I'm still on Facebook but it's Prof Den and Michael Prof Den and Michael alright I'm on all of the different networks at B Seepser how do you spell that? That's uh, B-S-I-E-P-S-E-R. There you go. The way God intended. And I am on Instagram at the Daniel J. Glenn, at Twitter at Daniel J. Glenn, and Facebook Analytical Mastermind. Uh, we did it, guys. This is incredible. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a good night. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is hosted and produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. This is a very active show online, ftriplegbt.com. That's ftriplegbt.com. You got to say it three times to get the triple, ftriplegbt.com. Go there. You can check out all of the future episodes. As I mentioned before, this is the first show that we have a video podcast for. Check it out on YouTube. Also, this is a very live, active, constantly evolving 
show, every single technology we do, we post updates, new new advancements that make these things even more possible or take them in all kinds of new and odd and interesting directions. So go to ftriplegbt.com to find out links to everything we mentioned in this episode. I think you're going to love it. And if you like this show, if you like learning and you like all kinds of interesting little crevices of humanity, check out fascinatingnouns.com, my other podcast. It's great. We talk to an expert for an hour on random topics. Uh, I think you're going to really like it. And if you like both of these shows, you're going to love everything that I do. Go to danieljglenn.com to check it out. Thank you for listening.